Night Talk. Giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. Monday to Thursdays, 10 p.m. A group of U.S. lawmakers today wrote a letter uh, to the Secretary of State, ultimately to the White House, uh, expressing their discomfort with South Africa being the preferred host this year for the AGOA Forum. AGOA, the Africa Growth and Opportunity Agreement, which is a piece of law uh, in American legislature that governs the trade relationship between America as well as Africa as a continent, but the individual states within Africa that are subscribers or members uh, and benefactors of the AGOA agreement. Um, Why? Because they claim that South Africa's position on Russia, which is a position of neutrality, despite collaboration with the Russian military, is one that, in part, they're uncomfortable with. Threatens their national security, in part, are some of the arguments that they make. Does this signal that when AGOA comes to expiration in 2025, that South Africa would be left out of the renewal thereof uh, by U.S. lawmakers? Strong chance for that happening. Dr. Pilani Mtembu is the Executive Director for the Institute for Global Dialogue. Now joining us on this conversation. Pilani, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really do appreciate it. Does this spell the end for South Africa and AGOA? Um, good evening. Um, I don't think it spells the end. Uh, we've been here before. Uh, we've had uh, threats of... Um, you know, sort of being removed um, uh, from uh, being a beneficiary under AGOA. And I guess uh, if there's anything we should have learned from the previous time is that uh, because of the nature of AGOA, it's not a free trade agreement. It's a one-way agreement from the U.S. Uh, The U.S. has the prerogative to renew or to not renew for whatever reasons it, it may have. And so we should always be sitting with a scenario where potentially in the future we are excluded because in previous times uh, it's been uh, exclusion on the basis that South Africa is not a uh, developing or a least developed uh, uh, country like some of the other beneficiaries. And so there's been a number of reasons in the past and this is merely the latest Uh, of reasons. But there's been voices within the U.S. Congress which have for many years uh, called for South Africa to actually not be a beneficiary under AGOA. So I wouldn't say it's the end of our time in AGOA, uh, but it's the latest in terms of U.S. applying uh, the pressure that it has on South Africa to try and get us to change our policies. Let's perhaps uh, sketch out the history of of the contention that certain uh, lawmakers um, in Washington would have had with South Africa being a benefactor of a goer. I recall it having started uh, during the Obama administration when South African poultry farmers was accusing the U.S. of dumping uh, and effectively killing the local poultry uh, sector. Um, And they then threatened at the time that if they block imports of poultry from the U.S., which was in excess, uh, that uh, the U.S. would expel South Africa from a go. That's my recollection of it. It's a very vague recollection. Do you Mm. perhaps want to take us to the beginning of it? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think that was, um, you know, quite a prominent instance under the Obama administration 
where we were put under extreme amount of pressure. I think the U.S. knew at the time that they have leverage, especially in terms of uh, how we have become, you know, somewhat um, dependent in terms of continuing, uh, uh, um, you know, to access the U.S. market, especially in terms of the automotive uh, sector. Um, and so they knew that they had uh, some form of a lever uh, through Agoa, I guess, in as much as, you know, Agoa seeks to promote trade and so forth, but it also does uh, seek to create tools uh, for U.S. Uh, foreign policy. At the time, we, um, you know, tried to hold out for as long as possible. We tried to negotiate with them. Um, but at the end of the day, we succumbed to the pressure. And of course, we know that it had uh, quite a bit of impact in terms of our local uh, poultry uh, sector. Uh, it had a negative impact um, to it. And, you know, and, and, and so I think we do as a country need to ask ourselves in terms of our relationship with the U.S., because of AGOA not being a reciprocal agreement between us and, 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 and the U.S., we need to prepare scenarios actively uh, that would see us actually losing out in terms of the beneficiaries and how ready or not we are to actually adjust uh, to that eventuality. Because there have been voices in the U.S. Congress uh, for several years who are not uh, pleased that South Africa remains uh, one of the beneficiaries. They would perhaps see other countries with smaller economies uh, and, and, and would want those uh, gains uh, to actually accrue to those countries. Yeah, let's quantify what would be lost in dollar terms. Uh, what, what's a goer's impact uh, to the South African GDP bottom line annually? Well, we know, I mean, in terms of our relationship with um, the U.S., I mean, they are definitely one of the biggest um, uh, sources of foreign direct investment into uh, South Africa. And I think when we think about the U.S., it always helps to not only isolate the U.S. economic role in South Africa, but to see that the U.S. economic role also has an impact in terms of our economic role with the European Union, because the U.S. is able to influence uh, the Europeans in terms of their perceptions and, 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 and their uh, interests in South Africa. So when we think about um, the U.S., we think about uh, the U.K., and we think about the EU, I mean, these countries are still responsible for you know, over 70% of uh, South Africa's uh, foreign uh, direct investment. That translates to thousands uh, of jobs uh, in the economy. Um, and what is also interesting in terms of the nature of the investment is that it's not only in the extractive uh, sector, but it is also in, um, I mean, we do uh, export manufactured products into these markets, not only the US, but the uh, EU and also to the UK. So if we're just thinking about trade uh, and investment, I mean, these economies are certainly quite central in terms of South Africa's economy, over 70% uh, dependence when it comes to, you know, when it comes to uh, sources of foreign direct investment, but also significant players 
when it comes to our trade relationship with them. Yes, our number one trade partner is with China. However, if you combine, for instance, the European Union, um, then it surpasses even the trade that we have uh, with um, with um, uh, uh, China. And, and similarly, if we link then uh, the U.S. in that mix, we see that obviously whatever impact it has, positive and negative, is likely to also impact how the Europeans, um, you know, position themselves in terms of South Africa's economic diplomacy. Yeah. What we have at hand here is not a crisis of economics, but it's a crisis of uh, international diplomacy and public diplomacy. Uh, that potentially could still be salvaged well before 2025. What would it take to do so? Well, we do at the moment have um, a group of uh, what are called envoys, I guess special envoys, uh, who are being dispatched to the G7 economies. Uh, who are obviously also quite important in terms of our own political economy. So, you know, South Africa does have linkages in these countries. We have linkages in the U.S. in in, in terms of Congress. And I think what we need to uh, hark back on is the experience that, um, I mean, the governing party, the ANC, um, in the fight against apartheid, they could always activate networks within the US, if not at a government level, but at a non-government level. They had, you know, engagements with members of Congress, um, the Black Caucus, uh, but the mere fact that you have Democrats in power, uh, hypothetically, one would have expected a smoother relationship with them uh, because, you know, generally the the ANC has had a, a sort of a stronger bias towards uh, the Democrats, especially after the years of uh, Donald Trump. So South Africa would have to activate those partnerships. We would have to not be on on standby. We would have to proactively engage not only state actors in the U.S., but also non-state actors. And of course, we do have you know quite a strong diplomatic presence within the U.S. And we'd be expecting you know that our diplomatic missions would actually be doing that proactively but also engaging and influencing the thinking of uh, think tanks, universities uh, within the yeah. U.S. Yeah. in terms of this discussion. South Africa can't afford to, to, you, to lose the United States as a trade partner. But similarly, can the United States afford to lose South Africa as a political ally, given uh, South Africa's uh, economic size and political influence on the continent uh, and the U.S., of course, uh, competing against China for the heart of African trade? Well, it would completely be contrary to the stated objectives of the U.S. strategy in Africa. Um, The Biden administration has come up with uh, what it calls the summits uh, for democracies, and, you know, South Africa is certainly amongst the most. Oh, we lost you there, Pilani. Are you with us? Oh, my goodness. Seems like we've lost Pilani entirely. And I was hoping that he would uh, just cadence off his thought there for us uh, on that final 
question. But what are your reactions and thoughts around that conversation? Give me a call. The number to dial is 086-000-2032. I'm taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107.